You know, most retirement conversations seem to hinge around dollars and dates. How much do you have? When will you retire? Bill and Pete Bush are financial planners who approach the conversation a bit differently, and, and I really appreciate their approach. They share how our 50s are the time to really be thinking through what we want our retirement to look like. You know, what does our future self look like? What are they doing? Uh, what, how will we be contributing to our lives and to the world? And they also mention and focus on the importance of planning our health in retirement, not just our wealth for retirement. And so that's a different way of thinking about it. Not only do we need to have an, enough money to be able to retire, but we also need our health. We need our fitness. We need our wellness to really be able to enjoy our retirement, to get the most out of it. And so along with Running Horizon Financial Group, they're also the authors of The Runway Decade, Building a Pre-Retirement Flight Plan in Your 50s, and also hosts of the podcast called The Runway Decade. And so you can find out more about them along with other tools and planning resources at their website, horizonfg.com, as in horizonfinancialgroup.com. But let's jump into the conversation right now. All right. Well, today's guest, we have Bill and Pete Bush, and we are going to talk a little bit about financial planning for retirement because you guys authored the book, The Runway Decade, Building a pre-retirement flight plan for your 50s or in your 50s, I guess. And that seems really, really fitting for, for this show since uh, most of the listeners and myself are, you know, in our 50s, maybe a little bit beyond. And, uh, you know, retirement is often one of those things that, well, some of us may put off thinking about it from time to time. Or even if we do think about it, I think it's always good to kind of take in a new perspective. So, Bill, Pete, I mean, I've kind of given you an introduction, but I'd love to hear from each of you. Who are you and, and, and what's your area of focus? Yeah, great. Well, we appreciate you, first of all, having us on. We were born, I was born 58 years ago. I just hit my 58th birthday a couple of days ago. We were born in Louisville, Kentucky. We are two of six kids growing up, six within about six and a half, seven years. So really tight family. We moved to Louisiana when we were in high school, I was in high school. And from there, I actually got into broadcast journalism in college and went off and did my own thing and worked for a couple TV stations and then got into healthcare. And about eight years ago, Brother Pete came and knocking and said, Hey, you know, I've, I've been in this financial industry for 20 something years. Want you to be a part of it. We have a third brother who, who Pete had already been hooked up with and doing business with. So I joined them about eight years ago, got licensed as a financial advisor, do a lot of work on the individual side, but also in company retirement plans. Yeah, and for me, I mean, as Bill said, I've been doing this quite a while. I am rare among my friends in that I've pretty much been doing the same thing since I got out of college. I went to LSU, played a little baseball there, got out into the uh, business world working for a former baseball alumni and started my financial advising career when I was at the end of being 24. I turned 25 shortly thereafter. So I just made 32 years as an advisor and, you know, other than, you know, the sibling story and moving and all that stuff, it's just been a great run. And I think to your point, you know, you said with regards to how people approach retirement, how they think about retirement, it always seems like it's way down the road until you hit 50. <laughs> and then when you hit 50, something happens shortly thereafter. Sometimes for people, it's shortly before they turn 50. They just have this realization like, oh, wow, I can see it now. It's, it's it's there. So we we've enjoyed coaching all types of people, entrepreneurs, business owners, you know, professionals, medical professionals, all kinds of walks of life in just coaching them to their desired retirement. And it's been a lot of fun. 
Yeah. So, I mean, what's kept you in the field this long? Well, I, I guess this is a separate question, you know, you know, Pete, for you, what, what's kept you in one field this long? And, and Bill, I'll ask you, you know, what inspired you to join the field? Yeah. That That's a wonderful question. And it actually is what I turn to when people say, how'd you get started at that? I always turn to people and say, you know, that is a good question. The better question is why have I been doing this for 32 years? And what happened shortly after I started, I mean, when you're a young person, you look to other people that are successful and you go, you know, I mean, I, I can, I think I would like to do that. I'd like to live in that neighborhood and drive that car. And, you know, I like to be seen as successful. And so you kind of get in that lane, but really, really early on, like within the first year, which by the way, you want to quit like a thousand times in the first year <laughs> of being an advisor. It's really hard. I got addicted to helping people. Like every time somebody would say, man, thank you so much for explaining that to me, or I now get it, or I appreciate what you've done for me and all that, that hit my dopamine, man. And, and I got addicted to it. And I still, to this day, get so jazzed up when, when I can see how we've helped somebody. So that that's, what's made me stick with it. Yeah. And then, you know, the brothers reached out to me probably nine and a half years ago. I was working in healthcare, a CEO of a couple of post-acute care hospitals, and they needed some help on a couple of projects, you know, some marketing initiatives. And so we would get together, discuss a few things. And then the conversation kind of shifted to like, what would it be like for you to do this for us and with us on a permanent basis. And of course that meant I was living a couple hours away from them. That meant moving my family down, but what what's happened over the course of their careers is they really built something special here and kind of to Pete's point as well. It was that the idea and the notion of being able to help people bringing value to folks lives. It was really attractive. So yeah, change of career for me right at 50, right before actually. All right. So we will talk about retirement soon, but I, I do have to ask Bill. So I'm trying to imagine the conversation with your family, like, you know, su successful in a career in a totally different industry, coming home one day and going, hey, you know what? I should change jobs and we should move states. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, it, it was a couple hours away, same state, but it was toughest probably for my daughter, who was nine at the time. And, uh, you know, th I guess the one allure was, hey, how would you like to live closer to Mimi? You know, my mom, her grandma. <laughs> and that seemed pretty good. But then when she realized there was a move involved and I was going to leave, she was going to leave behind all her school buddies. That was a little tougher. My wife, we were actually living in her hometown. She was actually ready to to try something else. So it, it worked out pretty well, I would say. Oh, yeah. And my sis and, and my, my daughter's fine, by the way. She adjusted very well. I'd say she adjusted yeah. very well. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the things we often talk about on this show is kind of those midlife transitions. And sometimes we feel like we can't, you know, you guys got to kind of grind out because we've already invested 20 years in whatever it was sure. we were doing. And so I, so I always love to see it kind of when it works out really well that way. Yeah. And yeah, for sure. Yeah. That I had basically two 13 year careers, you know, the broadcasting side of things and the healthcare side. And, you know, I don't want to switch again. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, last stop. Yeah, last stop. Well, the you know, the subtitle to your guys' book is the well, actually, before I even get to that, what made you guys decide to write a book? Because one of the things I know about writing a book is that it falls in the category of one of those things that's better to have done than to do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Correct. Okay. Yeah, well, I, I think it goes back to, you know, on the marketing side of things and just our discussions we were having internally is, you know, it, financial advisors are 
are good at what they do, the technical side of things, most of them are, but where a lot of the failing happens is really getting the message out and the marketing side of things. So we're like, how can we be different? How can we stand out? Who do we really do well with? And so when we took a little inventory about, you know, where's our sweet spot? Well, it's in that bell curve around our ages, you know, so folks in their fifties, but mostly business owners, business professionals who have had a nice career, but just haven't quite figured out the next steps to unwinding that and retiring. So with, with all the messaging and and the ideation behind that, you know, I woke up one morning and said, you know, there really is something about 50. I mean, boom, it hits you and, and the reactions are different for different folks, but it really is that sign that, gosh, there is an end to this, this career. And that's also the, there's a beginning out there called retirement somewhere. And there's a finite space between now and then. Yeah. And so he comes in over a weekend with this idea and it didn't take us long to, to go, you know what, you know, let's, let's think about it. So you probably remembered that the Dave Letterman show, you know, late night with Dave Letterman, and they used to have this little skit him and Paul would do, and they would bring out these bizarre, ridiculous things. And then they would go, is this anything, you know, is that anything? <laughs> is this and a it, thing? Yeah. It'd be like somebody grinding a piece of metal on their leg or whatever. And Dave would look at Paul and he would go, is, is that something? And <laughs> Paul would go, well, it's, you know, it's definitely not nothing. It, it could be something. So that was kind of our conversation with the book. Yeah. He comes in with this idea and I said, well, you know, that, that could be something like yeah. that's not nothing. So we say that a lot around here, but it, it ended up uh, being a lot of fun to actually do a book with someone and collaborate. We actually took a couple of road trips when we first got the ideas going, laying down the chapters and the concepts and all that. We actually got out of town, went and did an Airbnb and did a, you know, brought a couple of bottles of wine and, you know, and had some inspiration and got it all laid down. Nice. Well, so tell me about the title. So the runway decade, what does that mean? Yeah. Well, I mean, kind of put yourself on a plane and what happens when you're at the very beginning of the runway, the plane is just turned and about to take off. Things are moving pretty slowly. You can see maybe the end of the runway, but it's way far away. And before you know it, you're moving and then you're moving really fast and you can see these lights just flashing by if you happen to take off at night and they're going by faster and faster and faster. And that's really how you experience things in your fifties. I mean, you know, it was eight years ago that I turned 50. It seems like a few weeks ago in a lot of ways that, that time really is finite, you know, and you are going to take off to somewhere. Hopefully it's a good retirement, but the analogy seemed to work in a lot of ways. Yeah. And it's, it's that concept of America basically retires at 62 and that's the earliest you can get social security. Now, this is not true for entrepreneurs, business people of all kinds. I mean, they tend to go on further, especially if you own the business entrepreneurs are really bad at retiring. And what I mean by that is they'll sell the business but then they'll start another business and they'll have another chapter later on. And so, but, but if you just think about America in general, America in general retires at 62, that's still true today. If they move the social security age back to 64 or 63, that'll be the age. It's the age when people can start to have income coming in that they're not having to go earn. And, and so, yeah, it's, it's that taxiing out, you're staring down this runway, you still have time left, you know, there's still runway left is the way we kind of talk about it, but you got to get, if, if you're behind or you haven't really thought about it yet, you got to get after it. 
All right. So, well, let's talk about that, that, that getting after it. So some people will be set at this point and they can start thinking through something that, but for those who don't feel set right now, for those who have been yeah. putting off thinking about it or haven't been thinking hard enough about it, or haven't even thought like, Hey, I got it handled, but I haven't even thought of this idea of a plan. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. And I, I realize that's not a question. So I'm yeah, just going to no, no. Well, I think it's, I think the first thing is, you know, once you've reached this point, it's, there really is no looking back and there's n- nothing positive that can even happen by looking back. Right. It's like, you're at the point you are now, but next week you could be somewhere better, you know, a month from now, a year from now. And if you are turning 50, and you're thinking about the notion of retiring, it's not only getting to that retirement, it's the fact that you're probably going to be on the planet 30 to 35 more years from now, just averages, right? And so capitulation and regret, that really doesn't solve anything. Hmm. What does solve things is starting to take action now. And we have in the book, we talk about you know the you are here sign. Like if you're at Disney and you get lost, right? It's like, where are you now? That's one of the name of the chapters is where are you now? And it's not so much that people don't know where they want to go. People don't really know where they are now. And when I say that financially speaking, like, where am I in relation to where I want to go? So the book starts, where do you want to go? Then it talks about some obstacles and then it comes to back to where are you now? You have to find that spot on the map, the you are here button so that you know where, how to get to where you want to go. And we talk a little bit about how do you do that? Well, you, you kind of take an inventory, you take an inventory of assets and liabilities and you decide, Hey, I'm, I'm in good shape or I'm not, I'm kind of behind or whatever. Then you can start talking strategies of where, of how to get there. But the very first two things are where are you going and where are you now? Because if you're, if you're taking a long trip, you know, a lot of people do this. They say, well, what should I invest in? Well, that's a little bit like saying, hey, I'm getting ready to go on a trip. And instead of saying, well, how much gas do you, do you need? How much gas are you going to have in your car? They want to know if they should buy Exxon or Chevron, right? So it, it's it's a different kind of mentality in the sense of where are you going? How much gas you need in the car? Where are you starting from today? GPS always draws backwards from where you say you want to go to find where you are now. Well, how do you figure out where you are today? I mean, I, I mean, there's kind of the easier stuff, you know, if you have an account, you know, how much is in an account, if you know, you might know how much your house is worth, but like, so, so you mentioned social security and a lot of people use that as part of their retirement or all their retirement. And it just occurred to me as we're talking, I don't even know how to find out like how much I would get from social security if I retired, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's yeah. funny. I just got the email from them. They've started, you know, back contact and they used to mail the paper form to everybody. Then they went digital and now you can go online and you can download it. I just got mine a couple of days ago, but that's one way you can go to SSA.gov, set up uh, an account, set up an account and they, and you know, you put some identification information in there and then they'll, they'll tell you, you know, if you've got the quarters in to qualify and all that. So that is, that actually is an easier one, (laughs) but you know, a lot of people don't really know, you know, from the standpoint of, do you have enough? Yes. They can look in their accounts and they can see what their values are. The answer is, is that enough gas in the tank is where are you going? Which is why we always ask that question first. So in, in that world, it's, Hey, I need 4,000 a month in income based on what I'm looking at. I'm only going to have 2,500. Somehow I got to close this $1,500 a month gap. How do you do that? Well, there's some 
you know, can do some backwards math and figure out what would it take to kick off 1500 at a very reliable, you know, a reliable distribution amount. And that's kind of back of the napkin way to do it. You may do some other things because there's taxes involved and there's risk involved in what you invest in and those types of things. But I mean, you know, that's, that's back of the napkin first brush at it. And I think the other thing we do mention in the book and that are actually available on our website are there are some thinking tools to help you determine where you are really now. One of the tools we use in our planning process is called the strategic organizer. And so it really takes you through this PDF. You can download sort of everything you've got, right? And it helps you take that inventory because we do find that that one of the, you know, obstacles for a lot of folks is just getting organized and knowing how to start and where to start. So if you take a really good inventory of all those financial pieces of your life, that's a that's a good place to start. Yeah, that's the you are here. Once you fill it in. All right. Well, let's talk about the the where you are going because you know we mentioned a lot of people haven't thought about it or it's that thing that's just way out in the future. Mm-hmm. I I suspect, but I I don't know. There's a lot of people who may not have thought about where do they want to be. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> not do, do, not know where we are, but don't even know where we want to go. Is there is that common that people haven't given thought to what they want retirement to look like or what they want their lifestyle to be? Yeah, I, I think it is common. And one thing even beyond that, it's often common for them not to even really picture their their future selves, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, this concept of, gosh, what I'm putting away today is really helping me 15, 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. And so if you can wrap your brain around that concept of like, hey, I am going to be on the planet and I am going to need food on the table, pay my bills, but also hopefully have this lifestyle 20, 25 years from now, then you're a little leg up on the folks that haven't figured out anything yet. But I think one of the things you see commonly when people talk about retirement or things are marketing toward retirement or the guy on the golf course, you know, the couple on the beach, and that's great. Is that reality for your situation? Those are the conversations we have. What does it really look like? Yeah, that future you thing reminds me. Hal Hirschfeld, which we talk about in the book, he's a professor at UCLA, and he's done a lot of study on how we see our future selves. And they've got some brain science where they've hooked some people up and they they ask them questions, they show them pictures of of strangers, and then they show them a picture of themselves that's been you know, one of these computer aged versions of yourself and the parts of the brain that light up when you see a stranger also light up when you see a future version of yourself. In other words, you don't process that as you. Hmm. And so we know just from the way humans are wired, it's the put the oxygen mask on yourself before you help others. Your, your number one instinct is to survive and sort of take care of yourself before you can do much else. And, and so he kind of dispels that myth. He says the one of the reasons people don't save as much is like if if that person in the future could write a note to them and say, hey, it is you. This is me. I mean, I am you that kind of thing. And then maybe they would think about it differently, but they'll say they'll do something for themselves now, which is current spending versus doing something for themselves in the future, which feels like a stranger they're trying to take care of. That's an interesting way to think yeah. about it. Yeah, it's interesting. Are there common trends or common themes in in re- what retirement looks like for those who do think about their future self? 
Well, there are, and and I think it's getting the getting your brain wrapped around where do you want to live, who do you want to hang out with, how do you uh, spend your time. We have clients that run the gamut of that. Some with a a second home, some with a a beach home, you know, others downsizing. It it's individualized and different for a lot of folks. But at this point, when you're in your fifties, it's really the time to dream it up and then determine, is that really possible? One of the early parts of that chapter on where are you going? We say, Hey, imagine you're at the, your favorite restaurant Mm. and it's your retirement dinner, right? Who's in the room. First of all, you know, and, and I lay it out a little more elaborately. Look, they just brought in your favorite wine. Your, your best friend is giving you a toast of a great, well done, nice career. And then I start in, in the book, we start asking questions, you know, who's in the room, you know, what does that look like? Where are you living? You know, who, who are you spending time with after retirement? You know, because that's part of it too, is like, what are you going to do with your time yeah. that people have to think through? So it, it's getting this sort of painting a picture, making the person paint their own picture in their own head. That's why it's so individualized. There's no cookie cutter that can help solve it. Yeah. So, well, how does someone know when the right time to retire is? Well, when their wife tells them to, of course. (laughs) No, again, I mean, I I think for some people they get tired. I watched, I mean, again, 32 years, I've watched health events happen that have forced people. I've watched people just get tired. I've watched companies get sold. And so there's a whole new leadership team in there. And that's, that's sort of their thing. Like, you know what? I'm an old dog. I'm not learning new tricks. I'm out. I think there's, I think there's some patterns there that force people to go, okay, well, that's just too much change. And I'm too close to the end. I'm going to, and financially I can do it. I think that's a big component. Financially I can pull it Mm -hmm. off or I can jump over here and I see people leave well-paying jobs that they've gotten bored with or don't like and go to lesser paying jobs that they're very passionate about, Yeah, you know, that they love spending time doing. So sometimes there's a shift like that as well. We talk about the freedoms, you know, freedoms. in retirement, yeah. the, the freedom from, you know, maybe the oppressive stuff, the things you really didn't like. Well, I have freedom from that now, but also freedom too. You know, freedom to go pursue things that I want to do, you know, and there's a price tag to that a lot of times, but sometimes there's not. It's just a matter of peace of mind. Some folks back to the, when do they retire? They have this magic number in their head. And once Hmm. I reach that, I'm shutting her down, you know, that's kind of a common thing you hear. Yeah, for sure. Well, it's kind of an interesting thought because I, I don't know. I, I often, and I suspect others do too, think of retirement as, as, you know, kind of a binary thing. You're retired or you're not. Mm. And yet, Pete, you'd mentioned there the, the idea uh, of, I guess, retiring from your job, but then going and getting another job, but one yeah. that you're actually really excited about. Is that a common thing? Kind of this half step? Very common, mm-hmm. very common, especially today. I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of side hustles. If you've had an Uber, somewhere you've probably had an Uber from somebody that retired that just, Hey, I'm, I've had several that have said, man, I just do this. I like meeting people. I don't have much to do anymore. I've been retired for a couple of years. I make a few bucks and it's kind of fun, you know? So, so there's a lot more ways now for people to have the, 
the gigs where they can flip it on and now they're working or, Hey, I don't want to work today. So I'm not flipping the button on to, to catch an Uber or whatever it is. Brother Andy and I, we kind of head up the retirement plan division here at Horizon. We were the advisors on about 85 company retirement plans. And we were talking today about that very same thing, older Americans in the workforce and the projections are for that to go up even more over the next five, six years than it is now, there's a variety of reasons beyond that. A lot of it is not necessarily to do with the needs part, but the wants, Mm -hmm. you know, to add engaged. Yeah. Staying engaged, staying socially active, you know, just enjoying it. Our, Our mother who is 81, worked well after her retirement because yes. she enjoyed going in and just having the socialization. Yeah. Dan Sullivan talks. He's a strategic coach, a founder, and I've been in his coaching program for a long time. And he talks about how, when you retire, you know, they, they say like they put old ships out to retire, you know, which is you put them out of productive use as if to say, and he said, who wants to really be put out of productive use? Now, granted, all of his clients are entrepreneurs. And like I said, they don't retire technically very well. Anyway, you know, the revenue stops, the applause stops, you know, the, the recognition, you know, things that people do get from being gainfully employed or on a team or whatever. So some people look to just replace those, but they don't need as much money so they can do it periodically, or they can take a lesser paying job and go, you know, volunteer for a, a, a charity or cause they really care about or what have you. Some purpose really comes to play for a lot of people in retirement. Hi, interesting. So that, that seems to offer also offer up some more freedom there. I, I mean, I, mm-hmm. I guess I'm thinking through those who are, you know, also trying to close that gap, don't have quite enough to retire and yet are more than happy to leave their current role behind. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess in that vein, you know, just beyond the dollars where I am today, where I want to be, what should people think about when planning for retirement? What I guess, what else should they be considering? Well, health is a big part of that. I know you focus a lot of that on your show. We have an entire chapter in the book called, are you even going to get there? And it's about health and, <laughs> and it's about health and wealth, right? And it's like, you know, uh, what good does it do to, you know, be 65 and have all this money and you can't really do anything and enjoy it and go anywhere. I'm sure you guys talk about that a lot. So we dedicated the whole book. We have a concierge doctor here in Baton Rouge that, you know, we go to and we, you know, he's proactively looking for problems, right? You know, at this age, uh, pretty much like we start off the book, but at this age, you're probably on some kind of medicine. You probably have had some kind of procedure it's a surgery, but they'll call it a procedure, you know, those kind of things. And anyway, I think that is a big one to focus on. And they're a really good book that I've been recommending to a lot of people is called Die With Zero. Oh, and yeah. it's it sounds like something that no self-respecting financial advisor would ever recommend somebody <laughs> read. Die with no money. But when you get into the book and you understand the concepts of it, he's basically not saying that. He's basically saying that there's chapters of life where there's going to be a later chapter when like our parents are in their eighties, they don't really want to do much. You know, they, they're both still around and relatively healthy and everything, but you know, you get, you want to go take them on a trip or go out to eat. Well, Hey, look, it's getting late. Dad, it's two o'clock in the afternoon. It's not getting late, but okay, we'll get you home. It's fine. (laughs) And I'm sure 
people listening can identify with that. But I mean, it's just a point where of your life where even if you had a lot of money, you don't feel like doing much. So your your sweet spot is in your 50s and maybe your early to mid 60s, where you have this kind of ideal combination of health, uh, money and free time. And when you can kind of sit on that tripod of of balance, you know, you want to take advantage of that chapter because it will it will come to an end at some point. Yeah, that, you know, that that's funny. I've heard, there's an old quote that, you know, if only youth knew, if only age could. And right. I, I always great. think of mid midlife as kind of being that sweet spot in the middle, which is exactly what you just described there, where you've got kind of time and money and health and right. and you know that that health piece. And by the way, you know, I, I laugh at the the title of the chapter because it, it's a great title because it it does kind of put it in your face. <laughs> yes, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> you know, like like our money, our health is something that we tend to put off thinking about, and you know, it's it's way that way out in the future. And I guess we we tend to just kind of project out how I'm feeling today is how I'm always going to feel yeah. and how I'm always going to be. And yet we also know that, you know, as you mentioned at this point in, in life, you know, it's starting to catch up with us. Our, our, our yeah. decisions, our actions, just our, our age in general, it, it's all starting to gather. And so now kind of the decade, decade and a half to, to really figure out what, what, where you want to be and what to do about it. So, so anyway, yeah. just love that title. Yeah. Well, and, and it came from a real place, you know, we yeah. both have had health scares. Mine happened to happen right before, well, a little bit before the book was written the year I turned 50, I had a heart issue, a hundred percent blockage, you know, and they caught it and did a calf and all that. It was in one of the branches of the LAD, but then Pete actually yeah. had something happen after we published the book. Yeah. Right. As, as we were publishing the book, like I told you, my concierge doctor, you know, found something on my thyroid. They'd been monitoring it for several years. Well, it just so happened that this time when I went in, it grew and he's like, Ooh, don't like that. Go in, check it out. Had my uh, right thyroid removed. Turned out it was cancer but he got it really, really early. It was really tiny. And so being proactive about that, I think, you know, he calls it stepping over the snake. He says, yeah, you know, that, that could have turned into something bad yeah. and it could have gone on until you, it was too late to do anything about it, but we got it really early. You're in good shape. So, you know, I mean, I think that is go, go looking for the snake to step over as opposed to waiting until, you know, health, healthcare today, it's kind of like, you got to wait for the bad thing to happen and then they go in and try to fix it up. But today you really got to go looking for it. Yeah. And I think, you know, to your point, things you do on a daily basis matter both in health and in wealth, right? You know, yeah, early detection is really early important detection. in health and wealth. So when you, when you think about you turn 50, when you say, what are some of the other things people can do? We know that people that go into retirement with no debt and healthy have a much different experience in those retirement years than people who are still paying mortgages and debt off and their health isn't that good. Yeah. You know, they're going to need more money to compensate for the lack of health. Yeah. So savings rates matter, but also diet, exercise, all that, right? It all adds up. Yeah. Well, let's talk about a financial advisor a little bit here. So, mm -hmm. you know, for some may already have one, some may not, but what are some of the advantages? So for people who haven't worked with a financial advisor, what what would they expect or what could they expect? Yeah, I think that term is is broadly applied to a lot of different types of financial professionals. We do talk about that in the very last chapter. You know, do you go it alone 
or, you know, do you, do you go it alone or do you have a guide? So I think if you think in terms of some of the, we use a lot of analogies, one of, one of which was, you know, Hey, when I went whitewater rafting, it's really to this day, the only time I've ever been, although I would go back, it was going to be my one time to go down this mountain in Colorado, whitewater rafting. The guy that was the guide in the boat, he'd been down that thing hundreds of times. He knew where every rock was. He knew when to say, go left, go right. And he was able to guide us down. It's a good analogy because I think there's some things like for a guy, a CFP that's been at it 32 years, I've seen a lot of different situations, a lot of different families. There's a lot of things that rhyme when it comes to retirement planning that your guide will have seen before and can steer you clear of and or maybe point you towards. So that, that would be my, I guess, big picture part of it is just, you know, Think of it like you would think of a doctor in the sense of the ability to take the vitals, analyze what they're looking at, and make recommendations. That is the primary role of a financial advisor. What does someone look for when they're looking for a financial advisor? Well, I think it, it can come from a lot of sources. Some Someone you trust and know and that has a good experience, that, that can be a referral source for an advisor, that's a good place to start. But also you can go and do a FINRA broker check and check out the uh, history of that advisor just to make sure things are, you know, on the up and up. Uh, But, you know, personal referrals, professional referrals from like a CPA, an attorney, you know, those types of folks that kind of run in the similar circles, right, that would know and have those associations. Those are good sources as well. Yeah, the the designations of the industry, I think, are important mm-hmm. to look for. Uh, it's not an end-all, be-all, but it just shows that that advisor has taken some additional steps in continuing their education and to be you know, a well-rounded resource. I mean, there are, like I said, there's lots of different people that call themselves financial advisors, so you really have to interview several to see which one is the right fit for you and your style you know, how you like to communicate the the types of services they provide. There are advisors that'll just do financial planning and advising, but they won't invest dollars for you. And then there's people that'll just invest dollars for you and they won't do any planning. And so sometimes you can mix and match people together. You might be a do-it-yourself investor, but nobody, you need a, you know, we always talk about, can't read the label from inside the jar. Maybe you need some outside set of eyes to to show you even though you are you know investing your own dollars so there's a lot of different types of advisors and i would say start with someone who does financial planning because the money the money that you accumulate has to be in service to a plan if it's just a sum of dollars or some a pot of money it doesn't have any direction on how should i invest it what should i do with it but if it's geared towards a plan and some financial goals then it's pretty it becomes pretty clear how you should allocate that money so what do you guys wish that you knew when you were 50 yeah good question i think one of the the light bulbs that really has come on in the last few years for me is savings rates matter Right. Especially not just when you're 50, I'm talking when you're 20. Right. right? And, and if I had to go back in time, that's the message I would tell my prior self is, you know, savings rates matter. It doesn't really matter. Your income is going to vary throughout your career, but if you can establish great habits early on, 
You might not have as many worries by the time you're 50 or 60. I think that's one of them. And then the other thing is, and this hit us in the face last year, is just when you're thinking about retirement, it's don't don't underestimate or don't negate the fact that inflation is the enemy, right? That that really hit us yeah. in the face last year, but your purchasing power needs to be around. And so that is involved in kind of what you invest in and your plan in general, because like I said before, if you're 50, it's likely you got 30, 35 years. If you're healthy, you know, maybe more. And over that time, inflation's still going to be eating away, right? Things are going to cost more and you need to factor that in. Yeah. And I think for me turning 50, I didn't really, the, the theme of the book, we do this for a living every day. Right. And so when we're writing, we're writing about ideas and how we've helped people and the processes and all that, just things we've seen, you know, having kind of eaten our own cooking and taken our own advice, we have planned well, and we have saved well. And I, I think when I was 50, I wasn't really thinking about, man, I, man, I could do this for another 25 years, you know, and because I love it, not, not necessarily because I have to, but because I love it. Well, I mean, I'm now almost 57 and you can just start to feel like, man, your body's changing a little bit. Your energy level is coming down a little bit. And it's like, well, you know, maybe not 25 years, maybe (laughs) (laughs) what about 20, what about 15? No, it's just, you start to think differently about, oh man, there, there's just other stuff, you know, there's other stuff that I might want to get to that I want to get to while I'm in that cone that I told you about earlier, that 50 to 65 lane, like some stuff I want to cram into that before I get too tired. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as we start wrapping up today, guys, well, first off, let, let me ask, is there anything, anything I missed asking you guys about anything that stands out that uh, is worth bringing up now for folks? Man, I thought you did a really great job. Yeah. I mean, the the one thing I point to people that want to go look at it, and it is one of the resources on the Runway Decade website, is we have a chapter, chapter five in the book is called Enter the Matrix. And the matrix is, matrix is sort of this, you know, columns and rows of just the different financial topics that you need to be thinking of. Because mm-hmm. I think when most people think of retirement, they think my 401k, my IRA, it's in just a very narrow lane. Maybe it's my pension, maybe it's social security, but the matrix shows a lot of different components of your overall wealth. I would take a look at that and just, just look at each box and go, do I have, how am I doing there? Do I know how I'm doing in that situation? That, that'll give you the 360. Mm. And that, that's what I would encourage everybody to do with their own situation and their own advisor. Just sit down with, say, look, I need a plan for all this stuff. Yeah. I'd say beyond that, it's just to be intentional, you know, and, mm-hmm. and don't let time, more time go by, right. That runway mm-hmm. things are moving along, you know, and it, there's a, again, a finite distance. Yeah. Well, where can, all right. So where can people find the book? And then you also Bill, earlier, you had mentioned the, the resource, what was it? The strategic organizer. Yes. Yes. And, so, and so we, yeah. Absolutely. We have a website called runwaydecade.com, runwaydecade.com. The book's available on Amazon. You can also click on on the website and it'll take you there as well. And we have a podcast that, that we do. It's called the Runway Decade Podcast. Mostly what we've been doing over the last year is just talking to interesting folks who are kind of in that runway. 
you know, business people, business leaders, and what they're experiencing and kind of getting their backstories, but in lately delving into a, a little bit more on the topics inside the book. Yeah. Yeah. And our firm is Horizon Financial Group. It's horizonfg.com. You can find out a little bit more about Bill and I there um, and, and the rest of our team. Yep. All right. Great. Well, Bill, Pete, it has been fantastic having you on today. I mean, this this is an important topic, and you guys are fun to talk to about it. <laughs> yeah, we, we enjoyed it, Brock. Yeah, Thank really so enjoyed much. it, Brock. Thank you, man. Yeah.